0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our podcast series on uh, risk management and liability. Uh, Today, we have the uh, pleasure of having Dr. Ed Miller, uh, an oral surgeon, uh, to speak with us today. Ed graduated with a DMD degree from the University of Pennsylvania School of Dentistry. He... Got his specialty certificate in oral and maxillofacial surgery from the Emory School of Medicine and Hospitals in Atlanta. Dr. Miller is board certified in oral and maxillofacial surgery and is on the American Board of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery Examination Committee. He is active at the New York Harbor VA Medical Center as well as Mount Sinai Beth Israel and Mount Sinai West Hospital where he takes his own calls and does hospital surgeries. Dr. Miller and I have been colleagues for several decades in New York City, where we both served as the president of the New York County Dental Society, the trustee for the New York State Dental Association, and the chairman for the Greater New York Dental Meeting Organizational Committee. So Dr. Miller, welcome today and thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you Dr. Stiller. it's a pleasure, how are you?
0: I am well, thanks. So Ed, um, most of our listeners know that um, oral surgery accounts for several claims that we receive. Um, Usually most claims, 80% of them come from general practitioners and a good portion of that is general practitioners who practice oral surgery in their office. Um, As far as claims go, um, oral surgery claims are one of the biggest indemnity payments that we have in the insurance industry, and that's because they usually deal with some type of permanent paresthesia or facial deformity or some complication and risk association associated with uh, anesthesia in the office. So, Ed, what, our first question is, what are some of the most common mistakes a general practitioner makes? regarding doing extractions in their office that's a
1: good question i, I would definitely say patient selection uh, is at the top of the list of issues figuring out who you want to embark on and complete the surgery for them or not this involves <laughs> a patient interview a patient exam um, for instance uh, one of the problems we have is as dental students they Always are impressed to show us an x ray and not really tell us a lot about the patient. And you walk over and see the patient, the patient's 400 pounds and opens one centimeter and has a tooth that you barely can see, and they want to do a surgical extraction. So, cases like this are probably bad choices. And that doesn't even give you the medical background about difficult uh, medical management with anxiety, poorly controlled diabetic, uh, cardiac history. And now we also have anticoagulants in the mix and all these new drugs that have come out. So largely patient selection and knowing when to say no or knowing when to say yes is the biggest issue.
0: Yeah, the absolute power of no is your best friend when you're a general practitioner and knowing your scope of practice that you are comfortable with the result that you're gonna get. And your second friend is your specialty referral. So, those are two things that uh, general practice uh, dentists need to remember. So, moving on, um, um, Ed, what are the procedures necessary that you see coming into your office that have to be corrected as a result of a general practitioner error?
1: Right. So, if we have a general practitioner mishap or Probably more common things would be uh, removal of remaining uh, roots or pathology, uh, active bleeding uh, for the patient who presents in the middle of a procedure, uh, uncontrolled pain so the procedure could not be completed, um, procedures we'd have to do is to assess the situation, uh, new x-rays, determine whether you can complete the procedure this day, whether they need sedation. Um, and go through all the risks and benefits. Uh, If you become one of those folks that are referring out every two weeks after you started a procedure for an hour or two, that's probably a bad sign, and you're just not selecting your patients correctly, and you should consider figuring out why you're getting stuck in the middle of a procedure and not able to complete it.
0: Yeah, that would definitely be a red flag, and I would surely advise our general practitioners to understand that you know their limitations and what they should and should not be doing in their office. Yeah. And our next question is, what would you suggest to a general practitioner to avoid these mistakes in adjustment? Anything else besides what you just said?
1: Uh, I think basically spending more time with the patient and listening more so to the patient's prior experiences and making uh, certain in your own mind that you're comfortable uh, completing a procedure and managing the complications that are anticipated. Uh, for instance, a long tooth, a very skinny root uh, might not be something you want to start right away. And if it happens to you that the roots are going to be displaced, how would you manage this? If you have a plan in your mind, it's fine to go ahead. If you don't, then that's probably not a good idea.
0: Absolutely. Knowing your own limitations is critical in your decision-making process. hmm so, at our next question, is how, what do you do to assess whether or not a patient can undergo a procedure when considering that patient's uh, physical and mental status?
1: Uh, yeah, once again, use your written medical history, uh, whatever intake form you use. Make sure all the yeses that they checked off are talked about with the patient and you make a note next to them. Make sure you don't miss anything about their past medical history, past surgical history, how. Have they done with procedures in the past, whether it be medical, general surgery, or oral surgery, <clears throat> or just general routine dentistry? <clears throat> me. And I think that's probably the most important as far as uh, physical uh, past medical history, psychological history. If they're anxious and they circle anxiety all over the chart on multiple medications, you really need to tell them what's involved uh, with taking out. Uh, or doing a procedure for them and make sure they understand. If there's been a past history that they could not get numb, they've always had to be sedated, it's going to be pretty unlikely you're going to be the first one to do a procedure for them without being sedated. So that's those are red flags that you really have to look farther into and explain to them, this is what you're going to expect and this is what you will go through. Can you make it through this? And you don't want to be halfway in the middle and spending a lot of time and giving the uh, patient a bad experience or yourself or yourself not um not knowing what you're headed into
0: very good so ed one of my most common support calls and one of our most common complaints is wrong tooth injury in this case extraction Do you have some comments on that
1: no we we definitely do i think uh first starting out uh if it's within your office and you're the person deciding to do the procedure and will do the procedure to so make sure you document uh, exactly which tooth you will be doing an extraction on and very often you know people lose teeth over time it's hard to tell exactly what number it is so you might you may want to write on the consent you know upper right left tooth or uh upper the only remaining upper tooth so there's no confusion about numbers um, that makes things confusing Uh, The other thing is a referral card. If you send a referral to your specialist, you should really check it yourself and not let your front desk circle a number or write a note on it because very often we get the wrong information. Uh, And to go one step further, I know some folks make phone calls ahead of time and say, I am sending the patient over for number 12. It's 13, looks bad, but it's number 12, and I wrote it on the card. And when the person comes out the procedure we do a timeout, we stop, we look at it, we review it again. So even in our own um environment, our computer may have a different number or a different procedure on it, but the chart has the correct procedure in it. So you have to constantly stop and do a timeout and make sure you're doing the uh, procedure as intended and not doing a wrong tooth biopsy or extraction or brass. Yep.
0: Yes, yeah, so what I'd said, verification is very important to avoid this type of injury, because I must tell you, a uh, wrong tooth injury is extremely hard to defend, and usually it ends up uh, with a settlement being made on behalf of the dentist. So, Ed, I know antibiotics uh, can create problems for oral surgery. Um, do you have some comments or considerations or suggestions on antibiotic usage?
1: I uh, Definitely. I think it is a uh, overlooked um, problem in dentistry and medicine. I, I think the thing that concerns me and what I see the most is folks who have been treating patients for a chronic root canal uh, that's taken five visits and it's continuously suppurative and there's pulse coming out and they keep changing antibiotics. You have to have a limitation at which point you say, Antibiotics are stopping, I need help, either by referral or we have to figure out if the tooth is salvageable or there's a more advanced infection. With that in mind, going to the antibiotics that are uh, listed as dangerous or high risk, like the fluoroquinolones, the uh, levoquin, Ciprofloxacin, Moxifloxacin, the ones to say floxacin, high risk of Achilles tendon rupture. They should be used as less less, uh, resort, as well as clindamycin. Especially with older patients, it's you have a black box warnings on one demise of who you should use it for, and, and it's not just penicillin allergy. They have to have significant swelling, significant decrease in opening, and you should put a dosage limit and a time limit on how long you're going to do this for, before this becomes a mess and they wind up in the hospital, colitis, and older person can die from this. So uh, we have to really keep that in mind.
0: Excellent, Edin. Since we're talking about antibiotics, can you correlate that with problems you see with patients that come in with uh, infections into your office?
1: I, I can correlate uh, the, long, the person who's been treated with long-standing antibiotics. They're probably on an antibiotic that's not doing anything for the current uh, pathology they have. For instance, like I reported, a molar tooth that uh patient keeps doing endodontic therapy on and it keeps separating. There's something else wrong, and that antibiotic's not going to solve that problem. Um, And we have to not just change, again, not just change the antibiotic, but figure out the problem, probably stop the antibiotic and get some help of why your therapy's not working.
0: That's great. So for all our listeners out there, basically, your oral surgeon is your friend and can help mitigate risk and liability. And knowing your own limitations and practicing within your comfort zones are two really important um, fundamentals that you should utilize in your office so you don't have to go through the claim process when a patient starts litigation or a board inquiry against you. So, Ed, I'd like to thank you. That was a great um, bit of information. I appreciate it. And if you'd stay on the line, Ed... um, I'll be right with you. So every, all our listeners, uh, you know, I'm here to support you. We have our support line that you can call. We immediately get back to you. Um, and please call the support line early on and don't wait till things get worse and worse. Thank you. Everyone, my colleagues stay safe out there in today's times. Brown and Brown Protector Plan Incorporated, its respective parent, affiliates, and subsidiaries, collectively referred to as Brown and Brown Protector Plan Inc., assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided on an as is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness, and without any warranties of any kind whatsoever, expressed or implied. Brown and Brown Protector Plan, Inc. does not warrant that this podcast and any information or material downloaded will be uninterrupted, error-free, omission-free, or free of viruses or other harmful items.